shouted that. Kind of throwback to last week, right? When just no sound system for a little while. Hey, we made it work. It was awesome. Uh, I just want to say, Nate, you killed it last week, man. That was awesome. Also, you all killed it when, like, the sound system went out and you guys just got louder. That was cool. That was cool. That encouraged me. Um, how you guys doing, Soul Company? Good? Like, five people are here and doing okay, I guess. Uh, how you doing, Soul Company? God. I'm trying to, trying to get a little more crowd participation, you know? It's, it's good. Get the, get the blood flowing. Get you guys locked in. Um, if you guys are new, thanks for being here. Uh, we do this every week. Wanna wanna just invite you back, and also wanna tell you like this is obvious, but sometimes we forget this when we're new. Uh, that at one point we were all new, right? At one point I was new to Salt Company. Um, at one point your connection group leader was new to Salt Company, and so just wanna say if you're new, uh, welcome, and and just hope you you find community here at Salt Company. Um, if you don't know me, my name's Colin. I work here. That's Maybe obvious because I'm on the stage. They give me a microphone. Uh, but I work here at, at Soul Company. Um, a little bit about me. I graduated from the University of Minnesota. I love the Gophers. Uh, studied business here. Uh, and while I was a student at the University of Minnesota, met my beautiful bride, Rachel. Uh, she's awesome. If you know her, you love her. She's the best. Um, yeah, I'll tell, you, I'll tell her one person clapped for her. Um, anyway... Um, one of, my, one of my favorite people now that I'm married, uh, I'm so lucky because I'm married into not only, I'm married not only a great woman, but married into a great family. Uh, my father-in-law, he's the best. He's one of those people that um, you just like love because he loves making people around him just like feel joy. You know those people that they're always joking around, they're always trying to make you feel good. Uh, that's my father-in-law. And so it's just really fun to go down uh, they're from Des Moines area. Go down, hang out with them. They spoil us when we go down. A few of you, like a handful of you, stayed with them over the SALT conference. You're welcome because they're the best. And I heard how well they treated you, and you're welcome. Um, but anyway, anyway, this is all beside the point. Uh, he, he, like, loves, he loves to joke around. He loves telling jokes. He loves making people uh, laugh. And so... Um, he, but he's also one of those people that like laughs at his own jokes, right? So he can't really finish the joke because he's laughing at his own joke. Um, but the, the worst thing that he does when telling a joke is every once in a while, he'll switch up the, the punchline with like the setup line, you know? So he like gives you the punchline and is like, oh shoot. I was supposed to like be, I was supposed to just like set it up and then give you the punchline. But so that's kind of all beside the point. Uh, but you guys, know, do you guys know what I'm talking about when like you're around someone who screws up the punchline of a joke? You guys know what I'm talking about? And maybe you're that person. Maybe you're the person that just can never quite give the punchline of a joke the way uh, you wanted to. Like you set this whole story up, you color in every detail, and you're like, you know, taking the people you're telling this story or joke to on a journey, and you're about to like reveal to them what you've set up and you screw it up. Um, it's the worst. And I'm just gonna, if, if you're a bad storyteller, I'm, I'm sorry, because just like listening to a bad story is tough, right? 
Like the worst, the worst, this is getting somewhere, I promise. The worst type of storyteller, guys, the worst type of storyteller is when they're telling this story and you're like, that's it, right? Like, you're like, is there any more? Kind of what's, what's the last, like, there has to be a point to this other than what you just said because that's just not a good story. Um, anyway, here, here, here's what I'm saying. Here's what I'm saying. No one likes a storyteller and no one likes someone telling a joke that screws up the punchline, right? Like, we don't want to be people that miss the climax of the story or miss the punchline of a joke. So here's the point with that, is I think some of us actually do that with the gospel. That this is the story we tell about the gospel. We say God created the world and he created it for humans to flourish and that it was perfect. And then humans rebelled against him in sin. And so God needed another to send a solution. But the only solution he could send was himself. So God put on human flesh and came in the form of Jesus. And Jesus lived a perfect life. And he lived a life that you couldn't live. And then he went to the cross and he died for your sins. Isn't that good news? But... Like you missed the punchline, right? What's the punchline of the gospel? That he rose from the dead. That's right. Like Jesus is victorious. But I think a lot of times we miss the punchline of the gospel. And so here's what we're going to seek to answer in 1 Corinthians 15 tonight is what happens when we miss the punchline. So we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 15. So you get, if you've got a Bible, turn there. Um, but this is, this is the question we're seeking to answer. Why does the resurrection matter? Like, what's the point? Why is the gospel without the resurrection missing the punchline? And I just want to give you, like, a quick preview of where we're going. It matters because the resurrection is actually more than missing the punchline of a joke, and it's more than missing the climax of the story. Because you miss the resurrection... You're going to end up living your whole life in darkness and walking in shame. You're going to miss the significance of your whole life. And you're just going to end up living your whole life in this, yeah, in a, in a darkness that you can't overcome because Jesus is still in the grave if that's the, if that's the gospel story you're telling yourself. So we're, we're going to pick up in 1 Corinthians 15. We're going to start in verse 12. This is what it says. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there's no resurrection of the dead? But if there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. If, if we are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. Then all those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we're of all people most to be pitied. So this is a letter for background. The Apostle Paul uh, writes this letter to a church in, in uh, the city of Corinth. And the Cor Corinthian church, they, they have a misunderstanding about what's true of the gospel. So they, they've like, 
They don't quite know all the implications of Jesus having risen from the grave. And I think we're a lot like the Corinthian church in some ways, that we don't always know just how profound the gospel is, just how profound the resurrection of Jesus is. And we end up settling for a lesser story of the gospel. So Paul asked them, like in what we just read, Paul asked them, what happens when the gospel loses the punchline? When the gospel loses the resurrection of Jesus, and tonight I want to ask you guys the same question. What happens when the story we tell ourselves is that Jesus never rose from the grave? I want you guys to think about this. If Jesus never rose from the grave, how would you, how would you live? Like, would you live any differently? Would it change the way you're living right now? That's the question we're going to seek to answer. And so as we start, like answering the question, what if Jesus didn't rise from the dead? Let's start with the most obvious thing in the room. I would be out of a job, right? Like if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, I should not be up here with a microphone telling you about the resurrection of the dead. Like if you can prove to me with beyond a shadow of doubt that Jesus didn't rise from the dead, like bodily rise and walk out of the grave, if you can prove that to me beyond a shadow of a doubt, I am going to my boss, Drake, and being like, yo, I quit. Like, I am so out because I'm, like, I'm, I'm wasting my life. They, like, that's the most, I'd be the most ridiculous person in the world. I'd be a liar and I'd be misrepresenting God. Me standing up here would be meaningless and Salt Company would be meaningless. Like, if you prove that Jesus didn't rise from the dead, we're shutting our doors and we're going to stop doing this thing. Because it hinges on the resurrection. So I want you guys to hear this, especially if you're new to Salt Company. Like even if you've maybe been coming this semester, but this is like new for you this semester, here's what I wanna say to you, is that at Salt Company, we care about community and we care about having fun. Like we think having fun is a good gift of God's grace that he wants, like he's glorified in our joy. We care about our holiness now, living a changed life now, but ultimately we care about Jesus rising from the grave. That's why we exist at Salt Company, which means if Jesus didn't rise from the grave, we're, we're closing our doors, we're out of here. So if you like are coming around Salt Company and you're saying, man, that like these people, they're, they're all about friendships and they're all about making me a better person. Man, that's like, you're, you're close, but you're off just a little bit because we do care about community and we do care about walking in the life God has for us, but we care about those things because Jesus rose from the grave. And so without Jesus rising from the grave, like, we're, we're out of here. We cease to exist, and I want to I say something to maybe the skeptic in the room or the person that's like, I'm not, I'm not sure if I totally am in on that. I just want to say, like, hey, I want to be upfront with you about what we believe, but I want to welcome you and say, hey, if you're not there yet, wrestle here. Ask questions here. Find friendship here. We, like, love you and want you to keep coming around, but I want to be transparent about what we believe. Salt Company exists because Jesus rose from the dead, and so without the resurrection of the dead, Salt Company doesn't exist. But bigger than Saul Company, like 
even more than that, especially for you guys, your faith is meaningless. Like without Jesus rising from the dead, your faith is meaningless. Like, let me, let me explain this. If Jesus is in the grave right now, if that's where Jesus is, that means death is more powerful than Jesus, who Jesus claimed to be God, which means either death is more powerful than God, but I don't want to worship a God like that anyways. Jesus is at best a good teacher or prophet, but in all likelihood, because Jesus claimed to be God, he's just crazy. So we gather around the name of Jesus, but if Jesus never rose from the dead, we're gathering around the name of some crazy person. And if Jesus was crazy, that means the message he brought was crazy, which means that you are still a slave to your sins. It means that sin actually has dominion over your life, that you have no choice but to sin, and maybe you can run from one sin to another, but if Jesus never rose from the dead, sin actually dictates your life now and dictates your future. Romans says, for the wages of sin is death. Romans 6 said, Six says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. But if Christ Jesus isn't our Lord, then we're still stuck in our sins and there's no gift of eternal life. We're all doomed. This is verse 17 of 1 Corinthians 15. It says this, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. It's, it's what I'm just saying. So I just want to like clarify this for you. I hear a lot of people, like atheists, say, say this sort of thing. Like, man, even if the supernatural doesn't exist, I, it's like good that people still have faith because it makes them a better person, and that's good. And what Paul says is, no. Like, your faith is useless to you if Jesus never rose from the dead. It doesn't matter. Bail on it because the point of our faith is that we can rise from the dead with Jesus and spend eternal life with him. And so if we don't get that, we've missed the point and you should just bail on it all together. Also, a lot of you have probably experienced some change since coming to know Jesus on this side of heaven. But if Jesus never rose from the dead, then all the change you've experienced on this side of heaven is like totally fake. It's just out of your own will to, to be a better person, not out of anything supernatural. And, and we do believe that Jesus changes your life now, and that is important and that matters. But, the, but if, like, if all Christianity is, is making your life better now, you should bail. If that's all you're in it for, is to make your life better now, you should bail. It's in God's word. This is what it says. Verse 19. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. So if all you're in this Christianity thing for is it makes my life better now, Paul is saying that it's like not even worth it. It does make your life better now, but that, if that's all you're in it for, it's not worth it. Like, get out. You're a fool. It's not worth it because the part of the Christian message that is so beautiful is that we too will rise when we die and get to spend eternity with Jesus. 
Later in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul continues to explain this idea of what if Jesus didn't rise from the dead? He says this, if the dead are not raised, and then quotes uh, this ancient Egyptian saying, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. So he's quoting this Egyptian tradition where they remind themselves of death and say, hey, death is so soon, you might as well live it up. You might as well do what you want because you're going to die soon anyways. So you might as well do all the things your heart desires and live for pleasure because it's meaningless anyways. It, it sounds a lot like carpe diem, right? Which is live for the moment. Or, or another uh, word for, for kind of that type of living is hedonism. I'm going to seek pleasure above all things. I was reminded uh, of some words by an American philosopher and influencer uh, known as, or by the name of Jonathan H. Smith, who you guys probably know him as, Lil John, and he once said, turn down for what? <laughs> like, that's how you should live your life if Jesus never rose from the dead. You should be like, well, might as well live it up because this is what we got. Yeah, you, it should be your life motto. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, turn down for what? Should be your life motto. You, you, didn't hear, you didn't think you'd hear that at Soul Company tonight. But if Christ, I'm serious now, if Christ hasn't, didn't rise from the dead, why wouldn't you live like that? Why wouldn't you live for pleasure? Why wouldn't you live for all the things you've ever wanted in this world, all the things that you could like seek after? Because there would be no hope beyond this world. So you might as well like soak in every moment that you can. So I'm going to ask a ridiculous question that, again, you did not think you'd get asked at Salt Company, but here we are. Um, how would you live if Christ hadn't raised from the dead? Like if Jesus is still in the tomb, how would you individually live? Think about it for just a second. What would you love? What would you pursue? Maybe you're going out every weekend. Maybe you're accumulating as many things as possible. I want more. I want more. Maybe you're pursuing relationships with people around you that you wouldn't pursue otherwise. Maybe it's using your money how you see fit. Jesus didn't rise from the dead. It doesn't matter. Maybe it's a desire to glorify your name instead of glorifying his name. How would you live if Jesus didn't rise from the dead? All right. We're, we're changing directions. So we just spent like 10 minutes on what would happen if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, but... The good news of Christianity is that Jesus Christ has indeed risen from the grave and is sitting at the right hand of God the Father in heaven currently. Amen? Amen. We, can, we can get fired up now because now we're talking about a risen Jesus. Like, death has been defeated. Jesus is, in fact, the Christ, the one that the world has been waiting for, and he has overthrown the reign of Satan and his dominion in this world. That is true. This is what verse 20 says in 1 Corinthians 15. Paul breaks the tension. He says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. So 
A quick side note for you guys. In the Gospels, Jesus is often referred to by his name, which is Jesus. But later on, after the resurrection, Jesus is overwhelmingly, in the rest of your Bible, referred to as Christ Jesus, the Christ, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Why? Because all those things are titles given to the one who has defeated death. All those things are given to the one who reigns as king. We give titles to people that deserve them. So that's why, like, the president of the U.S., we always refer to him, or at least Like, I hope if you were to meet him in person, you'd say, like, Mr. President or President Biden. Why? Because his position is deserving of a title. But Jesus went out on a conquest and returned in victory, having conquered the enemy. This is a king that is deserving of all the titles that we can give to him. That is why we call him Jesus Christ. Christ is his title. Jesus our Lord. Lord is his title. He is deserving. He's worthy of his titles we give him. Amen? Like he is worthy of being called Jesus King Jesus, Jesus our Lord, the victorious one, the God, the victor, the king, he's worthy of all those things, right? And I think we're really quick to like, man, say amen. You guys clapped earlier. You're you're fired up about the resurrection and that's good and right and you guys should be. Like I hope you guys clap and can stir your hearts to worship when we talk about the resurrection, when we sing about the resurrection, when we refer to a risen king. But here's my fear. My fear is that we cheer for the resurrection, but leave this place and end up living like he's still in the grave. I think we sometimes settle for our faith being a label we wear and not an identity that we walk in. Like you show up at Saul Company and you say, Jesus is my king, and you raise your hands in worship and you clap and you say, amen, and you leave and forget that on Saturday nights when you're out with your friends. You forget that even in those moments, Jesus still reigns. Even in those moments, Jesus is still the Christ, the risen Lord. So even if you believe in the resurrection, even if you say amen to Jesus being the king of your life, does your life reflect the fact that you are a purchased son or daughter of the Most High God? Is that what your life reflects? Is your life more turned down for what or there's a better life to come? And I don't say this to bring shame or or to make you feel like, man, I'm not good enough. That's not why I say this. I say this to invite you into a better life to invite you into the life Jesus has purchased for you. The life that you've been given, the new identity you have been given in Christ. And I say those things because it's so easy to forget in the way we live that Jesus is risen. And I can say that because I forget Like, I forget the reality that I have a risen king who has purchased freedom for me, but I fall back into sin that I used to struggle with before I was a Christian. 
because I forget. Like, have you ever had a moment where you're down? Maybe you've just, like, sinned, or maybe you just had a bad day, and you're, you're feeling, like, bad about yourself. You're prone to believe lies about who you are. You're just, like, like struggling. And then you remember, oh, wait, Jesus has purchased for me what I could not purchase for myself. Jesus has risen from the grave and has given me a new identity that I can now walk in. I don't have to settle for those lies that I used to believe, but can actually walk in this new life that has been given to me. Like, we need to be people that remember that, that remind ourselves of that. Like, soul company, we, we say Jesus is risen. Like on Easter, maybe you grew up around the church and you, and you hear this on Easter, like Christ is risen, he's risen indeed. And you kind of, you get it, but you don't really get it. Like why is the grammar weird there? It should be like Christ has risen, he has risen indeed. Why is it is? Well, it's because Jesus is currently risen. He is currently at the right hand of God the Father. He is currently the one in glory. He is currently your Lord. It's not who he used to be. It's not what he has done. It's who he is and what he is doing. That's why we say Christ is risen. So maybe you need to bring that encouragement to someone today. Like, who do you need to bring that encouragement to? That you don't have to settle for believing those lies about who you are anymore because Christ has purchased a new identity for you. Or maybe you need to just remind yourself of that. You just need to find a way to remind yourself daily that Jesus is in fact the risen Lord and has given you a new name in Christ. So I just want to say this. Man, there are people out there that are discouraged. I know there are. If Jesus can conquer death, if Jesus can conquer death, that means Jesus can conquer all things which means Jesus can conquer your sin. It means Jesus can conquer your shame. It means Jesus can conquer your broken relationships, your past hurts, the division you feel, any cultural or social barriers. He can defeat the darkness that you're currently walking in because Jesus defeated death. So Jesus can defeat all those things and will one day defeat all those things. We know that because his tomb is empty. There is no evil in this world, no evil in this world that Jesus has not or will not one day defeat completely. Like, there's nothing in this world that we see that's stronger than death. Nothing. It's final. It reigns over all people. There's no stopping it. There's only slowing it down. But Jesus Christ defeated that to prove that he is stronger than death itself and to prove that he brings with him ultimate victory in his reign. And I know for some of you that's like a really encouraging word and for some of you that's a heavy word because, man, death is just like really on your mind. Someone close to you maybe has passed away. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe no one close to you has died, but like you yourself are terrified of death. You know all too well 
the reality of what I just said, that death is coming and maybe it's coming soon. And I'm sorry. Like for those of you who are struggling with this, I am sorry. Because that's heavy stuff. But in his resurrection, Jesus Christ ensured that with faith, you too will rise from the dead. Like with faith, death doesn't actually have the last word, even though it's evil, even though it's dark, even though it's a part of this world, even though it wasn't created to be a part of this world, it is not final for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. So this is why Christians share their faith. Like if you're new, if you're not a believer, if you wouldn't consider yourself a Christian and you're like, man, why do Christians like, why do they share their faith with other people? It seems like not really the cultural thing to do. Well, because Jesus has invited all people to rise from the dead with him. Because in Christ, we're offered life after death. And this isn't something we earn This isn't something we're born into. This isn't something given to some people and not to others. It's something that is extended freely as a gift that we need to accept by faith. And the resurrection is the thing that proves that when we put our faith in Jesus, he has taken the death on himself and has given us his resurrection power by his spirit. And that we actually will have heaven with him one day. That death isn't final. That there's an alternative to a life of death and we can live a life that is defined more by life because death ends up being the doorway into life with him. That's what we have in Christ. That's what Christians believe. And so you're like, why why do Christians care about sharing their faith? Because that is accessible to you. That's accessible to the person next to you now. That's accessible to the person next to you in class. That's accessible to the person next to you on the bus or on the light rail on your way to class. It's accessible to all people. We just have to be people that tell others about it, and it's worth telling other people about it because this is news that saves people's souls for an eternity. That's news worth sharing. That is news worth sharing because it's not something those people have to earn, but it's something those people have to accept by faith as a gift from God. It's news of victory. That's why we call this series Victory. Because we not only see the victory Jesus has, but we see the victory Jesus has now given to us. The victory we now have in Christ. And so here's how I'm going to wrap up. I'm going to go three, there's more, but three ways we receive victory in Christ Jesus. I'm going from the text and we're, we're going to see uh, wh- where the spirit takes us. Okay, first one, this is what I'm quoting 1 Corinthians 15. If Christ has not been raised, then your faith is, fu- is futile and you're still in your sins. But Christ has been raised and so we're no longer in our sins. Christian, sin no longer has dominion over your life. It doesn't have dominion over your future and it doesn't have dominion over your present life. You can actually live a life where you are working towards not sinning anymore. Like the sin that used to chain you, the sin that used to tie you down, the sin that used to define your life more than anything else no longer has to define you when you are in Christ Jesus. Like I think some of you 
come into this place. Maybe you've been following Jesus for a while, and you're saying, maybe one day. Maybe one day Jesus will take that sin away from me. But right now I'm just discouraged because I don't think today's the day. Christian, that day came when you put your faith in Jesus and, your, and his spirit came upon you. That is the day that you can have victory over that sin. It's not a day to come. It's a day that you can look back and say, I have victory then and I can start walking in that victory now. Like we're told to be nice to people as Christians. Man, go home and kick Satan in the teeth, guys. Like you can get a little angry. Okay? Like you don't, like sin doesn't have power over you anymore. Satan doesn't have power over you. You are like in Christ. His spirit is in you, which means that victory is in you. And even if you go home tonight or you go home tomorrow and you fall back into the sin, you said, I'd never commit again. I'm never going to do that again. Here's what's true is that the banner over your life is still forgiven and free because it's not about what you do. It's about what Jesus has done on your behalf. Okay, lock into this. Like, if you hear one thing tonight, hear this. That in Christ Jesus, your sins, past, present, and future, are fully, freely, and forever forgiven in Christ. That's good news. I can actually walk in freedom now Because I can look to my future self and say, even if I screw up, I know I'm forgiven by the blood of Jesus. Okay, that's one. Two, if Christ has been raised, or if Christ has not been raised, this is quoting 1 Corinthians 15, we're called uh, false witnesses and our preaching is in vain. But Christ has been raised, so we are witnesses to the truth and gospel proclamation is not in vain. Christ. Christian, in Christ, you have an ultimate purpose. Like, you have a bigger purpose than you could have ever imagined. You represent Christ Jesus, and you bring truth with you wherever you go. Which means your life testimony is a testimony to what Jesus has done on your behalf, not a resume builder for your own name. The goal of the Christian life is to live in a reality that points to a risen Christ. Here's, here's how I've thought about this. You guys know the, the movie Miracle, like the hockey movie? You guys are Minnesotans, so you should know this. It's an amazing movie. But here's what the coach uh, says in the movie. He says something along the lines of, the name on the front is more important than the one on the back. Guys, you aren't representing some random team. You're not even representing some university that you go to. You're not representing a country. You're representing the God of the universe in your life. Your life points to a truth that is greater than yourself. Man, hear me on this, guys. Every time you make an obedient sacrifice to God on this side of heaven, even if it's hard, even if it's costly, even if it causes embarrassment, even if you a minute later regret it, but it was an obedient step, you will get to the other side of eternity. You will look back and you will say it was worth it every single time. There is not an obedient sacrificial step that you take that will not be worth it on the other side of eternity. So, Saul Company, if that's what's true, and if God has given you an ultimate purpose, don't let the gospel die with you. Don't let the gospel die with you because the gospel came to you on its way to someone else. And so here's my question for you. Who are the people that God has put in your life so that you can share the gospel with them? 
And some of you are like, that disqualifies me. I'm not smart enough. I haven't cleaned myself up enough. I don't know enough. And I'm saying it is you if you are in Christ. Because it's not about how smart you are. It's not about what you do. It's about what Jesus has given to you for you to receive, for you to put your identity in, and for you to bring to the next person. The gospel came to you on its way to someone else. So who are those people you can share the good news with? So in Christ, you have power over sin. In Christ, you have purpose in your life. Last thing. This is found in verse 18. It says, if Christ has not been raised, then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. But since Christ has been raised, the dead in Christ have not perished. Christian, you will one day die unless Jesus returns. But here's what the hope of the Christian life is, is that when you die, you will actually wake up is that when you die, you will actually see Jesus face to face, is that when you die, you will actually walk into glory. Your deathbed, no no matter how sick you are on that deathbed, you will cross the line of eternity and wake up healthier, more joyful, more free than you could have ever imagined on this side of heaven. That is the offer of the Christian life is that Jesus has purchased for you and has proven to you in his resurrection that one day you will be able to stand ultimately in his presence. Christian, you have been given the presence of God in his resurrection from the grave. And so I just want to say one thing to to a few of you in here. Some of you in here are not Christians and you say, this news is for someone else, but it is not for me. Would you hear me? And when I say this news is for you, You don't have to clean yourself up. Every single person in here that's a Christian, the only thing that qualified them to be a Christian is that they realize that they're not qualified to be a Christian. Is that they realize they can't bring anything to the table, but Jesus has brought to the table everything on our behalf and has risen victoriously from the grave. And so don't miss the punchline. Like, don't miss the point that Jesus is our risen king. Let's pray. God, I so often live my life as though you're still in the grave. Man, I don't say that with my lips, but my actions point to that. My actions sometimes testify to a life defined by death and not by resurrection, to a life defined by defeat and not victory, but God, would you instill in me a confidence knowing that Jesus is in fact at the right hand, knowing that Jesus is in fact in glory and that by his spirit, I now have power to overcome sin I used to fall into. I now have purpose in where I used to live for myself. And finally, I now will one day get to stand in your presence, not because I've earned it, but because you've given it to me. So God, for the person whose heart is burning, maybe for the first time, God, would they know that this is for them? They just have to say yes. They have to go all in. Say, I put my faith alone in Jesus. But God, would you instill in them that it's worth it? That there's nothing that will separate them from your love in Christ Jesus because you defeated death, God. Would our confidence be in that? Would you help us? Would you help our hearts to worship you for who you are? Praise in Jesus' name. Amen.